Um, yeah, and it's, I know it's been a, a long time. Um, it's about 10 o'clock there. It's about 6 a.m. over here. So yeah. uh, better late up, than... Up early. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I've been trying to get this. SP has been working to try and help me get this organized. So I had to go to bed early and wake up early just to make sure we can get this done. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it, on, the mistake I did is I, I let people know that I was going to interview a couple of months ago. And I got inundated with questions and I said, I can't do all that stuff. But <laughs> one of the things about our show, because we're, I'm in here in the UK, but we've got people from Australia, Japan, Africa who watch. Mm -hmm. So we always like to go to the beginning as to where you were born and raised. Uh, Hampton, Virginia. Okay. Me and Devante were both born in Hampton, Virginia. So, yeah. A lot of people from North Carolina, but we was raised in North Carolina, but born in Virginia. You see that? Because I, I actually thought you were from North Carolina, but okay, okay, Virginia. And um, but when you when did you move to North Carolina? Were, were you still kids or when you were teenagers? Uh, we, were, we were young, we we're kids. We we're uh, I want to say about four or five years old. Okay. Yeah, so it's pretty pretty early in life. I think a lot of I moved to the states in '92, and and when I one of the things I noticed about North Carolina was that Duke and North Carolina and a lot of basketball. The, were you ever influenced by basketball as a kid? Right. Uh, well, I mean, I, 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 I love to play basketball, man. So, you know, Michael Jordan is a home <laughs> hero. So, you know, so, yeah, I love basketball, man. You know, I play basketball a lot. So, oh, yeah. It wasn't anything that you thought you'd, you'd do as a career or anything when you were young? I, I thought I was going to be an athlete. That's what I thought I was going to be in life. Uh, uh, I was the first young black quarterback in Pop Warner football in North Carolina, and uh, my parents found out that during the team, they made me quit. What? So uh, I was heartbroken about that, yeah. Oh, how come? Well, I mean, they, they you know, uh, we were traveling with my dad, and, you know, they wanted us to pursue music, you know, with gospel music, rather than, uh, you know, I just want to do other things. We, you know, my whole family's music-orientated, so it's like I wanted to just play sports, and I was, you know, infatuated with the Dallas Cowboys, Tony Dorsett, all the running backs back in the day, so I wanted to play football. Wow. But, my family, well, my mom wouldn't have me. She said, nope. Oh, so it wasn't about getting hurt. It was more so we want you to sing. Uh, well, I mean, I think it was a combination of both, you know, and just stay in church and just pursue the, the whole church thing. But, you know, I had other plans for my life. <laughs> yeah. No, no, when you talk about music, because I, I guess that's interesting, because, you know, I've interviewed a lot of artists and, and a lot of them, you know, they learned how to sing in church and they, and they were singing for the fun of it on a Sunday and they didn't realize they didn't think about a career but you're saying that your parents wanted you to have a career in music from a very early age no 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 I'm saying that my parents they, they wanted to focus, focus on church it just happened that music was our involvement mostly in the church because you know we played we played for my dad we played for uh Jim Baker's daughter who was Tammy Sue Baker at the time so they much rather us be around the church and you know playing and, and singing in the church so you know they never Never envisioned, I mean, envisioned us going to R&B music. You know, that was just, you know, Devante's thing. And we always loved R&B music. We used to sneak and listen to it. But that was, that wasn't, you know, their dreams for us, you know. So uh -huh. we just kind of path of what they thought we were going to be. Who were you influenced by music, musically when you were a kid then? When you said you'd listen to R&B, who were you, who would you listen to and be inspired um, by? We, we infused R&B with like a lot of everything else. Like, you know, we had... On R&B, we had Commission, The Winings, Rance Allen, 
you know, DJ Rogers when he did gospel, who had a little bit of R&B. So then, you know, we went to the Michael Jackson, to the Journey, to the Chicago, you wow. know, Rock Prince, and then, you know, the Marvin Gaye, the James Brown, and we just kind of infused all that together, you know. So, you know, that, that was like the birth of Jodeci, really. People don't really understand, like, our music was heavily influenced by a lot of other genres of music. It wasn't just R&B, you know, yeah. so... So uh, that's basically where the Jodeci sound came from. You know, we just infuse a lot of things that we like and listen yeah. to. But for you personally, um, what? Because it was interesting the fact that you you were into the sports and there was a sense of from the family, let's stay in the music. What were you? I mean, as I said, being the younger brother, what was it that you thought about you wanted to do if when you couldn't do the sports? Well, I mean, I, I kind of left home. I was like, you know what, <laughs> I'm done, man. I gotta. I left home at a young age because I was kind of frustrated because I really wanted to play sports because, you know, I, I thought that, you know, music was something that came natural to my whole family. And yeah. I wanted to do something challenging to me. And I think that being that I wasn't from a sports, you know, talented family, I, I just wanted to do something that challenged, challenged me, you know, because yeah. I like physical. And, uh, you know, so I, I wanted to play sports, something that was going to challenge me. I feel like, you know, God gave me a gift that was given to me and I, I, I appreciated it. But I want to try something that I wanted to just do that was, not natural to me. And, and I think sports and being, I was very active, you know, I rode motorcycles at a young age. I rode BMX wow. bike. I mean, I got to everything. So, you know, but, but uh, music was the thing that panned out the best for me and all of us, you know. Yeah. Did, because you said you left home early. Did, did, you, did you go with your brother and, and say, let's just try and pursue our music or did you just go your own way and, and, yeah, I, I mean, I went my own way. Like, you know, because when Jodeci first started, I wasn't a part of Jodeci. You know, oh. I was I wasn't a part of Jodeci. I, I really got in a group when we left, when they left to go on a trip to New York, you know, it was like, man, it's coming, you know, just come to New York. I mean, I was around a group and we was together all the time, but I just, I really wasn't, you know, I, I, I always wanted to be a solo artist. I wanted to be Bobby Brown. So I said, if I'm going to do music, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so uh, Bobby Brown was everything I wanted to be as, as an artist. And, uh, and I used to put on little shows for all my little girlfriends. I put on a derby hat. The, you know, the hammer pants and the patent leather shoes with the gold toes. And I was Bobby Brown for all my little girlfriends. You know, I, put, I have my two little dancers and I get my little shows. Oh, I get my little shows around Charlotte. But, you know, uh, I was always with Devontae Casey and JoJo, you know what I'm saying? But I always felt like I was on my own mission, my own path. And then, uh, you know, when the group came together, we just took that ride in New York. And I was like, you know what? I might as well just be a part of this group, you know? So we worked on songs everything before I was actually in the group too. But I was just never really like, into the group. So that's why you had Jodo C, Jodo Devante KC. So, you know, so that's the part that, of that. You know, I didn't realize that, but you know what is, and I think that's why, and we'll talk about your new, your singles and your solo career, but I think it makes sense for us on the scene, you as a solo artist now, because for those of us who were big fans of Jodo C, um, you know, we always knew Jojo and Casey being the lead singers and, and yourself mm -hmm. and Devante doing the music. But the fact that you did say that you actually were solo and, and now we can see, we see the evidence of that now. You know, I, I too, as a kid, you know, Bobby Brown with heart and soul, you know, they, he, he was, he my was. Own heart. <laughs> hey, my own heart. Was it. So, yeah. Wow. But, uh, you know, but, but being, you know, once, once uh, Jodeci was formed, we all committed. I didn't even think about the solo thing. I was like, I'm 200%, I'm, 1,000% uh, committed to Jodeci. So everything I did, 
I didn't even focus on doing nothing solo. I just wanted to just give my all to Jodeci and, and you know, learn and, and, and grow and bring my talents to what I had to, to Jodeci and, and infuse what I thought, like, as far as our style, our swag and everything. I wanted to bring that to Jodeci, everything I thought for myself. I, I just, on top of Devontae's vision, I just wanted to, you know, create everything that I that I had as an individual to, you know, our style and some of our sound and a lot of our harmonies and everything. I just want to infuse that and give everything to Jodeci. So I was... I didn't even think about the solo thing. I was, you know, committed to Jodeci and everything that we were we were pursuing at the time, you know. And and I guess in those early days, because um, we see you now as a producer, you know, doing beyond production and and, and singing. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you said you were doing things solo. What was it that? How did you learn the the production and writing side? Was that stuff with, that was always within the family, or how did you you particularly learn yours? your style of writing and, and producing? Um, I mean, I always, like, me and Devontae always wrote songs. Like, we wrote songs as kids. Like, we was, right, anything we thought of, like, we had a song called Just Share. I remember one time my brother had, he had some chicken or something. And I was like, man, just give me something. He wanted to give me his chicken. I mean, I wrote a song called Just Share. And it was like, we write his stupid songs. You know, one of them was Get a Whooping by our Parents. And I made a song called 40 Lashes. And, like, <laughs> you know, was, we just write silly songs. But actually, some of the melodies we actually kept and used as real songs. So it's like, you know, we were right all the time. And, you know, we never thought nothing of it. Like when Devontae wrote Come and Talk to Me, the first time I heard it, I think he was 16 years old. And he played it for me. I was like, you know, and this before I even thought about doing Jodeci. It was like he had wrote this song. And I was like, man, I was like, this song should be on the radio. And he was just, it was a song he wrote. I mean, he gave it to him in cassette tape. And I kept listening to it, listening to it. I was like, this is something. And I was like, man, this is something. You know, it, it was it was Come and Talk to Me. And it had a girl singing on it. Then he put JoJo on it first. Then it was KC on it. And it's, it just kind of grew into what it is now. But it was just a song he had made. He would write songs like that all the time. And, you know, if if he dug back in his catalog of songs, I mean, he could, he could, you know, we could actually make songs forever. But, you know, a lot of those songs ended up on Forever My Lady album. They were just songs that he had just made up on the fly. And, uh, you know, you know, from then on, it was Forever My Lady, then the Diary of the Mad Band, Diary of the Mad Band, and uh, Showed Out the Partner Hotel. But a lot of those songs came back from Forever My Lady days that we wrote when we was teenagers. Wow. You know, Love You For Life was written the same time Forever My Lady was written, you know? So, so uh, you know, that's how that went, though. And yeah. me, as far as, I always wrote, you know, but me just being around my brother and just learning and him guiding me on how to do it as far as, like, my production with it and everything, uh, it, it's I just kind of took it more serious as time went on, you know? Oh, so those early days, and, and I wonder how it's like having an older brother that's extremely talented like that. Does it mean that you... Does it, does it limit how you brought your stuff? Did you think, no, I can't bring my songs because of that? Old, how was it for you? Well, we fought, we fight so much in the studio. Oh, yeah. oh I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Uh, yeah. we, 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 we argue so much in the studio. Like, get on up. He hated get on up. <laughs> He's like, he hated it. But I was like, you know. I was like, man, I'm telling you. So we went back and forth and back and forth. And he'll he bring me a song. And he'll, what do you think about this? And I was like, I don't like the drum. Give me one second. I'm sorry. <laughs> and you call Justin. Um, yeah. So, you know, he'll bring me a song and be like, well, what do you think about the drums on this? I'm like, I, uh, I don't like this. And he'll just, exactly what I tell him, he'll do the opposite. Just, you know, just, I mean, that's just how he is. But, but I have to always credit my brother for telling me this. When we first moved to New York, um, I will always, we moved to the projects in the Bronx and I will always go play basketball every day and every single day, every day, every day. And he told me one time, he said, listen, 
He said, what you need to do is you ain't getting paid to go out there to that park and play basketball. You better pick up this drum machine and spend as much time on this drum machine and writing these songs and this keyboard as you do on that basketball court because it's going to keep you paid for the rest of your life. And that's what he told me that always stood out of my head. And I was like, you're absolutely right. He said, you don't get paid to do that, but this is what you get paid for. Wow. And he told me, I was like, that was like, I always remember that he told me that. And I was like, you know what? This is as much time as I spend for things that I don't get paid for. I better spend time for the things that's going to support me for the rest of my life. So yeah, one good bit of advice he told me. You know, and, and I think that's 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 an interesting thing. Um, you know, having a very talented older brother who can who could look out out for you because, as we said, we're going to get to your your solo stuff uh, now. And it's funny, a lot of people did like I, I actually did like Get On Up um, because it was different. You know, right. it had a different type of stuff. So I do remember looking out for some of the things that you were writing and producing because it had a very different vibe. Um, mm -hmm. it, was it a hard decision when they said they're going to New York while you were still tr getting a little exposure back in North Carolina uh, as your own Bobby Brown? And if, and if, if, if the story be told correctly, if you ever do interview Casey and JoJo and my brother Devontae, ask him who's got it, brought all the girls around. I had all the fans. Like, I was a celebrity in North Carolina, so... <laughs> Like, you know, I said, I have my own little fan base. So, you know, we go to New York. I didn't know anybody. I was just right back in the beginning. No, 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 no female fans, nobody, nothing. I'm in the projects with, with these four and three other guys by myself starting all over. But, you know, it was cool. So it wasn't a hard transition because I knew, like, in my life, it was some bigger. It was a bigger purpose. And my brother always was a great visionary. So I was like, I'm just going to follow your lead, you know, and, and let it be what it is. So I felt that, you know, me following him and like Casey and JoJo, we both follow him because he had a plan laid out, and I thought that was the best option for me at the time. Yeah, it, it, when when he did meet Casey, what was your impression of Casey and JoJo when you when you met them? It was all bad, man. I've told this story many times. Now, if you don't know the story, you gotta wait till the movie come out. You gotta <laughs> wait. You, you know the first issue meeting of Casey and JoJo. It was all bad, but if you don't know it, you gotta wait. You gotta wait. I gotta make. Okay, okay, okay. The um, I, I interviewed Tony Terry, um, and he said that when he was um, he he got you guys to help sing on a remix of his song, but he only paid you guys fifty dollars and uh, a kiki chicken dinner. Do you remember that? That must have been Casey and JoJo. I would never do that. Maybe okay. Papa not kiki chicken. Nah. Nah, okay. I, but you I remember met, singing with Tony Terry on, on a remix of? He's a great artist. I mean, I've met him, I think, back in the, I want to say, early 90s. Early 90s, I never, yeah. I never worked with Tony Terry. Maybe okay. Casey. Okay, so maybe he got the, the other guys. It, when, 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 when they're recording for My Lady, did you try and get involved with the writing production? Or what was, it, what was your thoughts about how much input you could put on the uh, album? the credits on the back of my lady album it says additional production by mr dalvin i mean I, I did a lot of work on that album but you know devontae is the main producer so obviously he deserves the the the, the, the lion's share of the credit but um you know yeah i mean i produced on like on uh stay uh did you know a program of drums on stay uh you and i uh you know i did like uh a lot of work on my lady we all did actually but you know i did a production work on that so yeah you know but I, I have to stand out a little more and, you know, stand on my own on the next album. And then the very next album, it was just a little more every time. Yeah. You know, so 
I think that uh, they trusted me and me to just stand out and not, you know, be overshadowed by Devontae's production. Let me stand on my own and do my own thing. So, what what was it? I mean, I mean, you're you're in the studio now, and, and I've seen you in the studios. But back in those early days, you're in the, you're learning the production and drum machine. How was mm-hmm. the transition being in a studio with all the sort of mixing keys and understanding how to be a producer within in a, in a massive studio? Um, well, you know, my dad is a recording artist. He's, he's like my dad has had like seventeen gospel albums, so we were always in the. Oh. We, we, we were familiar with the studio, you know, already. We spent most of our life, our early childhood, in the studio with my dad, you know, watching him record, watching him how he arranged harmony, stack harmony, and, you know, arrange music. So it kind of, it came kind of natural. We just had to learn our way without him being there, you know. And just finally, they, you know, when Uptown Records put us in the studio, it was like, you know, we they just put us in a, a candy shop and said, okay, here it is. Make some magic happen, you know. So, and we just, we was in there. We wasn't strangers to the studio, you know, so. It came kind of natural. It wasn't like it was totally in the studio, you know? Okay. Because, you know, I talk to a lot of artists who sing natural, and then when they get into the studio, they realize, wow, this is not the same. I mean, having to record your voice and constantly playing back, and, and it's the whole experience is different from right. just being singing in church. Right. Um, it, you know, so Puff, Puffy's credited a lot about the image and style of, of, of Jodeci, sort of the let's take them and, and dress them. But when you guys came from North Carolina, how were you guys dressing back in the, when you moved, before you got to New York? Um, we were like, uh, I said we had our country swag going on. We had, a, <laughs> we had our Southern swag, you know, it was, I, I, I tried to dress us all like Bobby Brown. We had the, <laughs> I said, we all look like Bobby Brown. So, you know, we were still a little edgy, but it was country edgy. You know, we wasn't, New York edgy. When we got to New York, it's been a couple of years, you know, we started hanging out with, well, I did personally start hanging out with Puff. And I, you know, I started picking up a little bit different flavor. And, you know, it, that became like, you know, it kind of just spread throughout the group. And now it just became what our image was, you know. So. Yeah. We the, took uh, off others and put the boots on, you know. <laughs> so, you know, it, it kind of just came natural by us being in New York. So. Did, um, did the success take you by surprise of the first album first single did, did it was was it a surprise for you how successful it was um i think that anytime you you, you can't really expect what's going to happen especially if you have a hit record because you never had one i mean if you coming from north carolina like us and we never understood we just made music because we liked it we didn't know it was going to just take the world by storm we just you know we created something we like we didn't try to go out there and say we want to be a hit group or we're going to do this we just we, we enjoyed making records and you know as we still do and you know just the world just loved what we did we didn't know what to expect we I don't think we had any expectations we hope that people love it but as far as like the popularity and the, the things that came along with it, i don't think you can prepare anybody for that you know so how, how did you adapt and how did you adjust to that because i think that's the thing that is different for everyone did it make it different because you're in a group and you had your older brother? But how was it for you when you guys are the biggest thing out there um, that you're famous, everyone? So you're talking about back in North Carolina, you, you know, you, you had your little thing going on, but now the world is shouting your name and stuff. What was it for you personally? I mean, it's, it's like you, for me, it was just a feeling of gratitude. You know what I'm saying? Like I never, I never expect, or people to want to, you know, love you and they better love me. I just, to me, it's, I'm still grateful. Whether I have one fan or one million fans, I'm grateful that people enjoy the work that we that we put into what we do. And 
still to this day support what we did. I, I don't think I ever changed. I, I got a lot wiser as I grew up in the business, you know, a lot of ups and downs as all artists go through. But, you know, as far as me as a person, I, I stayed the same. Anybody that knows me say the same thing. Like, like I've, I've never really changed. You know, I've learned a lot and I've experienced a lot, but I don't think I ever changed as a person as far as like my, I never let money change me, you know, or get to this place where, uh, you know, expect that I'm better than everybody else because I've had hit records out or whatever. I think I stayed pretty much the same. How how was it for your, your your parents when you guys had the big you know number one record and albums and songs everywhere? How how did they adapt to the initial success? Uh, it's still weird to them because my parents have never heard Jodeci. They they've heard of songs that we've done and like my dad have heard Get On Up because it was remade by Hezekiah Walker, who's a gospel singer. My wow. dad. Uh, you know, they, they don't they don't listen to Jodeci records. They, they don't listen to gospel music. But they, you know, my dad, we talk musically now. Like we talk about records, and he's like, "Oh, don't get too nasty, or don't say this, or blah blah blah." <laughs> <laughs> my mom, she, they've never sat down and just actually listened to a Jodeci record, though. You know. Yeah. Do you know if I think about um, "Forever, My Lady"? Um, it, it the one of the because I when I'm when I listen to that, and it, it's it is something that when I was in. Nigeria, I, I couldn't really understand the record until I moved to America in '92, right. and and I met a lot of guys who, you know, you know, because in Nigeria you didn't have a lot of out of wedlock kids, so you, you know people get married have their kids culturally, so the song didn't really make much sense until I moved to America, and I, you know, I could see, wow, this guy, you know, they're not married but having a kid, and it was such a poem and a story. When, right. when when that was recorded, what was did you realize the impact it was going to have? Did you you know? You know, we to be honest, the first couple of rounds of that song, we we went back and forth, back and forth, like because we we're so young. I mean, we we're sixteen and seventeen years old. We talk about having wow. babies. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's life, it's reality. You know, and we say, you know, at the end of the day, that's how we wrapped our minds around. This is reality. This is people. You know, fourteen, thirteen year olds having kids. You know, 16 and having kids. And, you know, so we, we, we try to, as a, as a band, we've always tried to speak to every, every situation, every person, every culture, everything that's going on. You know, so, you know, like we did a whole, um, we did a whole AIDS campaign. You know, because young people, was, you know, we did a whole, you know, Jodeci for Urban AIDS. We spearheaded an AIDS campaign. So we try to, try to just incorporate a lot of things into what our band is, not just go out there and just talk about the sex and sex and sex. You know, we just talk about a lot of different things, a lot of issues that people can relate to. Yeah. The, um, you know, somebody asks about, um, you know, the, the sort of the, the outfit you wore, um, white and stuff. I mean, who was, who, who was given the fashion for, for those videos? You know, you had the, in the, that like, early. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's a funny story. Well, what happened was Andre Harrell, you know, God bless his soul, you know, he passed away, but. At the time, he just, he got tired of the jeans and the hats and the, he's just like, he's like, oh, y'all need to put on suits and suits and y'all will wear suits because what happened was, Gotta Love, the first single that, you know, that uh, we did was the, with the whole sweat hoodies and everything on, it didn't hit, it didn't take off. So I yeah. said, I told y'all that wasn't gonna work, so y'all gonna listen to me. So the image is now suits and blah, blah, blah. So they bought us these white suits and I went in the trailer, myself personally, cut them all the shorts. <laughs> So that was my idea. I cut them all the shorts, and I said, "This is what we're gonna wear. We're gonna still keep it street, but we'll put on the jackets with the shorts and the boots." And we came out. And he was like, 
but it was too late. I had already cut the pants, so it wasn't nothing they could do, but we had to wear it like that. And it, and it worked. It worked, though, you know? It worked, yeah. so. Yeah, no, it's, um, so, so did you take more of the Im uh, control of the sort of the image from 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 Puffy and, 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 and shape the style of the group? Was, was that more of what you were doing in those early days? I think, yeah, uh, pretty much, you know, like, uh, Puff started doing the bad boy thing and it kind of like, we kind of like not drifted apart, but you know, he had the, the whole thing, but you know, he started working on his own thing. So it was kind of left up to me to, you know, to try to curate the fashion sense to where we wanted to be. And I just took a lot of my style and just, you know, just translated over to Jodeci. Then we had Sybil who was, you know, she worked for us, uh, worked with yeah. us a lot. Me and Sybil would go out and, you know, and grab outfits and bump, I mean, you know, like put our heads together and, and try to find out Okay, this is you know we let's do this. Let's try this. Let's try this. Let's try this. This works. This don't work. We always want to stay ahead of fashion. We always want to stay ahead of fashion at the R and B genre at that time. We want everything yeah. to be music, you know, music forward. Everything. So, did did what, what, when it came to the singing, did you, did you? Because um, I know you know you know people would always say that Casey's probably as a lead vocalist in a group probably one of the best ever. Um, and then with JoJo, but did you? Did you want to get more involved with the singing in those on, on any of the albums? Absolutely, but you know, like we we all sing like like a lot of background stuff is is me and my brother. Like we that's why when you hear Jodeci and Casey and Joe, anything else is totally different. Yeah, you know, you got totally different because you know we 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 all our voices blend together on Jodeci harmony and Casey and Joe is a totally different thing. Which you know, which I I admire their stuff too. But with Jodeci, it's something totally different. Yeah, you know, so. But adding our flair, all of us adding our voices to make the harmony sound the way it does. So, but as far as the lead sing, the lead singer in Jodeci, you know, everybody had their position to play. Casey was the lead singer, Joe's the lead singer, and Devontae was, you know, we uh, had on the backgrounds and we, you know, raised the harmony, sung the harmony with them. So that was just, you know, my position in the group. I didn't say like, I want to sing lead, I want to do this, I want to do that. You know, I'm I'm a part of a team player, so okay. it is what it is. But I always knew once I sing, then it's all me. So. Okay. So and and you never um, did you ever think about going solo in the midst of the success of Jodeci or Nah, never, never. I always wanted. I always knew like this is where I'm at. Let me give everything I got, even for myself, to this group. You know, everybody give all they got. You know, I don't think any of us ever thought about stepping away from Jodeci at the time. We just wanted to make our foundation as strong as we could. Yeah. So you know, that's the only thing that was on my mind. You know, I was tunnel vision when it came to Jodeci. You know, the solo thing, that was, you know, that was in the back somewhere. But as far as I don't want to lose, I'm getting low battery cells. So okay, sorry. I, I interviewed Father MC and um, he talked about the, you know, having you guys um, um, on, on his Treat Him Like a Lady. I mean, sorry, Treat Him Like They Want to Be. How was right. it joining Uptown and you had... You know, because Uptown, when we look back at black history and music, you know, Uptown has a, an amazing career because it had Heavy D, J oh, yeah. Guy, it, yeah. it, you know, I've, I've interviewed both Damien and, and Timmy Gatlin from Guy. Mm -hmm. you, you, know, had, had, you know, you came out around the same time with Mary, but you came onto the label, Heavy D and the Boys, Father MC and Guy were already there. What was your thoughts? Did you think too, well, we're in the, this is too much? Or what was your thoughts about... Oh, our initial, uh, when we set up to New York, 
the the whole thing was to go on a label with you know because it was Uptown MCA. So MCA had Bobby Brown, New Edition, oh, they, they had God, you know, they had uh, Heavy Dinner Boys, you know, they had uh, Father C. Uh, they had all the groups that we wanted to to be around and you know try to get in the same kind of you know where they were going, you know. So we well, that was our intent on going. That's the only label we had in mind was okay. MCA. That's our focus. It was like tunnel vision straight there, and it just worked. <laughs> What did you yes. think of, of Guy? Did you did you know about Guy back? I mean, what was your thoughts about that? We listened to Guy all the time. You know, that's why we, you know, our up-tempo is, we try to make him sound like Teddy. You know what I'm saying? Up-tempo, and our up-tempo side of Fat My Lady, we was going through this whole New Jack Swing thing. Our, our version of New Jack Swing, but Teddy, <laughs> we, we love Guy. We love Guy, still to this day. I mean, Peace of My Love, you know, you know, Groovy, Teddy Jam, there was all the songs we played all the time. You know, so they were heavy rotation. When you when you did join Uptown, did you get to see as producers? Did you get to see Teddy produce and work? Never, never. Oh. My brother did it with Teddy one time in, in in Virginia Virginia Beach, but this was after when he okay. had the studio studios. Devontae went to visit him. I stopped by, and you know, uh, I never got to, to see him work in the studio. I think he was more, you know, he he, he knew that we were on his heels, and he wanted to hide his secret. <laughs> You know, it's funny enough because when they did a tribute to Andre Harrell, um, Jamie Foxx, um, Brian Scott and uh, Brian and Teddy, Teddy said when Jodeci came out that he says, wow, I ha we had to move on because um, you, you, you did come out and, you know, and maybe jokingly, but it was not because you guys came out with a very different sound that sort of changed how New Jack was. Um, yeah. Were you guys aware of the impact you had on, on the whole music scene? Um, like I said, I think we had something different. And, you know, a lot of, I think a lot of artists were trying to sound like other artists. We never tried to sound like anybody else. We just wanted to fit, I think, the people to be accepted by our peers, yeah. which was Teddy and Aaron and, you know, Guy. And, and I think we just wanted to be accepted, but we always had our own thing. So I think on our up-tempos, we tried to say, okay, well, we can make our up-tempos sound a little New Jack swingy, but big courses, big harmonies and chord changes, you know, and they was they didn't get that. They didn't they didn't get it. So then, you know, our balance is what you know we kind of took off. But you know, we always paid homage to Teddy. Teddy's one of the greatest producers, and I I, I would be lying if I said that we didn't he didn't influence our up tempos in the way we you know looked at at uh, up tempos and New Jack Swing because he was a king of New Jack Swing. Yeah, and that was a whole sound right then. He he changed sound to New Jack Swing. We yeah. when we came, kind of just changed again. Yeah, to, you know. Yeah, you, my my favorite Jodeci song is "Cry for You." Um, oh. When when it was um, you know seeing the video, um, I don't know if you went to Saudi Arabia. Where I don't know where you guys. Where did you? We in Death Valley, California. Okay, um, it's to this day. I mean, it's uh, you know a lot of people like "Love You for Life" and and "Forever My Lady," but to me that that's "Cry for You" because you know when you hear men singing that's sort of I'm sorry come back to me kind of song it's it's just so powerful and yeah. I think that's the one thing that I really loved about what you guys did was the the, the ballads and saying you know this is our lane we're going to really dominate this um wearing leather jackets and stuff in the desert uh, you know that's <laughs> taking it up did you well looking back at all your catalogs what was your favorite um or two three favorite Jodeci songs Cry for You was one of my favorite. Like I said, that was, uh, Freaking You, uh, uh, Come and Talk to Me, 
Mm. Uh, list goes on, man. Uh, Forever My Lady, of course. Uh, but my all-time favorite was Cry For You. And I say my top three was Cry For You, Freaking You, and Come And Talk To Me, probably okay. my favorite. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's such a yeah, such a such a powerful stuff. Now, you guys, um, you know, the one thing that we, we you know we 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 learned about the fact that your dad was always in music and recording and had albums out. How much of the business side of the industry did you know coming in? Because as I said, you, you've got your dad's history to know what was going on. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> Man, if I had to do it all over again, it'd be totally different. And if you probably speak to 98% of the artists, they would probably the same. They would tell you the same thing. They knew zero things about the business. And what you, what you, what artists fail to realize, it is called the music business. To be the business of music, that's what it should be, you know. But <laughs> I mean, you learn the hard way, man. You know, there's it, nothing worse than seeing, you know, when your when your bank account don't match your popularity or your fame. And then that's when you got to try to start reverse engineering your, your your career and try to pick up the pieces. Okay, where's the money? You know, you got millions of fans, but where's the millions of dollars at, at some point? Then you go back and then that's when it becomes important. Because at first, you know, you're just having fun. You're all around the world. You got cars. You got then, you know, at some point, like, okay, well, where's my money? You know, then that, and then it becomes about the money because you don't, that's not what you, what you set out to do. You just want the, you just want it, the music heard. You want to be on stage. You want you know this and that then you when the lights go off the curtains close then it's time to pay the bills and where's the money you know what i'm saying wow. so it comes to that you know so and i'm sure every artist has the same story every athlete probably the same story you know some some artists are lucky to have their parents that got them or have you know people in their corners but a lot of artists are not you know you just have to learn the hard way but yeah i've been interviewed almost 60 artists um even jimmy love <laughs> i've interviewed him <laughs> And uh, so he's from the business side, um, and and it is it is the sad thing. It's almost as if the less you know, the the, the more less people are going to tell you. Right. Um, and unfortunately, and I guess how much of that inf affected the music and the the group when the the money situation um, on this came up. Well, it, I don't think it affected us as individuals as a group because it wasn't us taking from each other. Yeah, it was around taken from you. It's not so it wasn't like we're stealing from each other. You know, every, everybody else is taking out your pocket. So, you know, but at some point it begins to divide and conquer because you know some people focus might be on oh, I still make records. Some people focus might be I'm not making a record until I get my business straight. You know, every, so you start having different opinions about what are you doing, and you know you, you got people that's pulling it one way, and well, you know, don't pay attention to this, and don't pay attention. Just just keep making records, and live as long as I can put you on stage and. You know, like I said, so at some point when you're in the group, it begins to it begins to wear and tear on, you know, the, the different aspects of the, the individuals in the group. That's what any group in any group that you ever, ever see is always because everybody comes and starts to divide and conquer. So, you know, at some point you get smart, you're like, you know, what, let's just shut everybody out and let's just go back to the basics. Let's go back to what we know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of groups don't figure it out. A lot of groups do. And so. But how was it for you personally, for you? Because, as I said, Casey and Jojo, um, you know, as singers, and you had your brother who, as a producer, as a, you know, he, he started Basement. He had, you know, he got Timberland, Missy, Static. You know, he goes, what, were, what was it? What were you, then what was happening with you? Oh, uh, well, you know, I was part of the Basement with my brother. So, okay. you know, yeah, so, uh, 
you know, in the beginning, like I bought Missy to my brother, you know, Missy brought Timlin. Uh, you know, I brought Stevie J in. So we were all part of the whole unit, you know, what was going on. So at those times I was working on the basement, you know, I did Sister's first remix, a brand new the video they put out, you know, what Missy Ellie was in. Yeah. So you need to do your homework, man. I'm disappointed. No, no. No, no. You, you need to do your homework. You might need to do your homework. But you know, at the same time, you know, uh, at those times, you know, I was producing for Death Row. I did a lot of stuff on Above the Rim soundtrack. I did uh, two songs on uh, Dangerous Mind with Michelle Fire for the movie. I did Aaron Hall, Curiosity, and Men Static. did a song that I wrote and produced for Static. Um, let me see. I worked on Mariah Carey, Mary J. Blige. I worked at Wu-Tang Clan. I did songs with Raekwon, Ghostface. Uh, I mean, I was I was working. That's what I'm saying. You need to, you need to dig up some stuff, man. <laughs> it wasn't like... It wasn't like the street with a sign, a uh, uh, help wanted sign, uh, feed me for dollars. No, I was working, so yeah. it's like, um, you know, at the time I was still like, then I started working on my own ideas. I started putting out my own ideas. So, this is when I started creating the Mr. Dallin sound that I wanted for myself as a solo artist. Perfect mm -hmm. time, you know, in case and Joe do anything, you know, and I'm, I'm producing and I'm, I'm writing, I'm appearing on people's songs. I'm like, you know, let me just start working on my stuff. The, the ideas I had, the songs I got. And so, so but and by this time the question then becomes, because during the Jodeci success you realize well you know the money's the business side, when you are now doing stuff as a producer and a writer, where mm -hmm. you you're a little bit more tuned to okay I need to keep my publishing I need to know that side and so at least oh oh oh, oh was that a, were you able to balance it out better now? Well, I mean yeah, like when you take time and uh. Because the music is always going to be there. I mean, you're going to always have creativity. Then now you got to be a perfect balance. You have to get your business straight. You know, it's not just about keep writing and writing and writing and producing and writing and producing and don't have the, you know, the business side straight because you'll just be working and chasing dollars when the dollars are supposed to be chasing you. You know what I'm saying? You got publishing over here. You have to balance it and know where, where it is. Okay, I'm here. I'm working just as much, but I'm getting paid. I'm seeing the, 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 the fruits of my labor. You know, so you don't want to just keep working and not having nothing. So you have to stop at some point and get your business straight. Then you continue to work, you know. Yeah. And um, and 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 which because especially in the when we I can get to the the, nine, the late nineties into the two thousands, the producers become more of the um, they shape the music. Um, right. Back when you guys started, it was the the group had the, the artists had the sound and the producers had to try and add to the sound. Then we right. started to get Timberland. The Neptunes. We started to see artists chasing the, the beats. Um, did when you started to see the shift and it started to shift towards hip hop a, a lot more. How how did you sort of shift the, the direction that you were going to take as a as a producer? Well, I mean, me. I've always been a hip hop head. I bought the hip hop to Jodeci. I was like the hip hop flavor to Jodeci. You know, I was A B Rock Kim, Big Daddy Kane. You know, like I said, Wu Tang Clan. I was always infused with hip hop. So, you know, like, that would be the rapper in the group we on stage. And most of my attitude on stage is more like the rapper. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was always in hip-hop. I, I brought the hip-hop element to us, you know. You know, the break beats, you know, the, everything that we did, like remixes, the freaky remix, or, you know, with uh, Ghostface and Raekwon. Mm -hmm. So it was like, always would bring this. And, you know, so I would keep us, you know, hip-hop guys, rappers love Jodeci. So it wasn't like we was just a soft group, like, you know, we was just real soft. You know, we made it cool for rappers and you know, for thugs and, and, and drug dealers, everybody played Jodeci because it wasn't cool 
for, for guys to ride around and pump slow jazz in their car until Jodeci came out. You know, because we looked like, you know, we, we just like they homeboys. We weren't like all sequence suits up and, you know, three piece suits. We, we had the hats on back with the jeans sack and the, the latest sneakers on. You know, we had the Jordan. So people started looking at us like, oh, God, I'm going to dress like Jodeci because we got the, the latest fashion on. You know, they didn't go to rap and they were looking at Jodeci. See, we had on the leather pants, you know. Rappers wasn't really, we the first group that had tattoos, two earrings. I mean, we broke a lot of trends in, in music. If you go back and look, like, yeah. you know, so we did a lot of different things. My brother's the first person to have a tattoo on his face. You know, Mike Tyson got a tattoo after my brother got it. Wow. So, you know, about, so he saw Devontae's tattoo and got a tattoo. Now everybody got their whole face covered with tattoos. <laughs> so, but all of the, the, the tattoos on the arms and everything. Wasn't no army groups doing that. You know, a lot of rappers were doing that. You know, NBA, NBA players definitely wasn't doing it. Yeah. You know, so now it's like we start a lot of trends and, you know, and we always stayed ahead of trends. So it wasn't like we felt like, oh, man, there was hip hop taking over because we was hip hop and we was R&B. We was yeah. everything. And so it was just like we, we stuck, you know, just singing, you know, doing the two songs. You know, it was it was we was in front of everything. So. So in the 90s, there were two camps. There was the people who the artists who wanted to be. Like Jodeci, so you had you know, Drew Hill, even Blackstreet to some extent. Um, right. And then you had those who wanted to be like Boys to Men as yet uh, and, and the rest. Right. Did you see, the, 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 what was your impression about who, who, the, who the competition was when you guys were coming out? Um, well, you know, like they always pit us against Boys to Men because we started at the same time. We were both powerhouses. And like you said, we're two totally different groups. And so everybody fell up under the category, either like you said, Boys to Men or Jodeci. Uh, we, I mean, we didn't, you know, we, our first tour was Jodeci and Boys and Men and MC Hammer. So every night we would kind of go back and forth, kind of like Prince and Purple Rain and, and The Time. It was kind of like, they were yeah. two different. It's like, you know, they kind of like challenging each other. So we came out with the raunchy stage show and, <laughs> this, the, you know, the routines and everything. But as the tour went on, we saw Boys and Men getting a little more raunchy, a oh. little more, little more Jodeci-esque, you know. So, you know, they started bumping and grinding and, you know, they lift the shirts up. You know, we came out with, you know, the Heineken's in the hand and shirts off and dog chains. All that. that was just us, you know. So, you know, we're more like, you're more like Guns N' Roses, the black Guns N' Roses. So, yeah. Just... <laughs> yeah. No, you know, I, I remember interviewing Rift, Nitty, and he says, you know, they came out very similar to like Boys to Men, but they wanted to be like, everyone wanted to be like Jodeci because yeah. you guys had. You know, the music was, I won't say the hood, but it was like, that's R&B. And, and Boys to Men, you could hear them on, you know, Kiss and Pop and stuff. Right. And, 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 and that was like the streets and stuff. Um, but you guys, there was, did you look to anyone and think, well, we, these are the people we, we want to try and, and inspire to knock off their perch? No, no. I mean, no, it was just like, we found our own lane, man, and we stayed in it. You know, and anybody got in our way, the road with us or got rolled over. It was just like, that was basically what it was. We didn't we didn't look and, and set out to destroy anybody. We just did what we know how to do. You know, I don't think that that was a thing like, oh, we're going to be better than this. Oh, we're going to be better than God. We're better than this. It was like, we just did what we know how to do, you know. And people would always put us, if, you know, Jodeci, can y'all, are Jodeci better than this, better than that? It was just like always. You know, some we got called out on verses the other day. <laughs> Somebody called us out. Like, we mind our own business. I was <laughs> yeah. like, I was having a KC and I saw a certain group, they called us out, called out everybody. And we was kind of laughing at it. And I was like, you know, that's 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 cute, man. You know, that's cute. So, you know, it, you know, people always want to come after the Kings. They want you to throw them. So, hey, it is what it is. But, 
did um did you how was the first time you did you met Bobby Brown cuz I you know trying to be like him back in the day what was the first time you met him uh it wasn't that good man you know <laughs> we actually became good friends we became really good friends and uh we hung out a lot we became really good friends but the first meeting was a little bizarre man i got to say <laughs> really bizarre it, it's like sometimes when you meet your star you have this whole thing about like, wow and then you know, when you meet him, it's like, oh, wait a minute. You know, he's an amazing person, though, amazing talent. You know, just sometimes when you meet people, sometimes I think you dream, you dream a little bit bigger than what it actually is sometimes. But yeah, you know. But then also, I think we, we've watched the Bobby Brown movie, so we know that there was things happening at those early days compared right, to right. how he is now. Right. But I mean, I love Bobby Brown to this day, man. Like, I still think he's one of the dopest solo artists ever. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, so a lane for solo artists that no other solo artist has touched. You know, yeah. I mean, right up under Michael Jackson, but I think that he's one of the best R&B solo artists that I've ever witnessed. His whole style, his whole aura, and the way he approached music and songs and everything. So I don't think he's matched to this day. No, you know? no, yeah. I mean, we looked at him, we saw Michael Jackson, we saw Hammer, and we saw yeah. Bobby as entertainers, dancers, performers. You know, he couldn't be touched. Um, what about New Edition? What was your take on New Edition? I like New Edition. I mean, I, I like New Edition, but New Edition was more like, you know, the the a little softer for me. I like Bobby because he was edgy. He was just, he didn't care. He was just like, and that's what I like. You know what I'm saying? I love New Edition songs. Can't you stand rain? You know what I'm saying? And, you know, even to down to cool it now, I'm his telephone, man. But it's always, Bobby always just stood out to me in that group for me. And I love BBD. I love what they did when they broke off. And, you know, I, I like Johnny Gill, you know, so it's, you know, I like no edition. Yeah. So, when? How did you know when? You know, you. you one of the things I liked about um, what you're doing with your solo um, singles, from your know, good time, um, and I inseparable is very. We we don't normally get this that sense of I'm, I've got a story, and I and I'm going to keep continuing that sort of theme. Right. How did that concept come out? Because it, it's it's been lost. You know, now people just put one single and and not right. connect it with the next. How did you think about? I'm going to start telling a, a sort of a trilogy, a story with my singles. Um. Uh. Well, you know, I, I just when I when I wrote a song, I had one particular person in mind. I think, and I wanted and I wanted to kind of take you on a ride with this person. So I started writing about his imaginary female, imaginary time from the time that I met her, the good times, the bad times, and you know, the, 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 the sexy times and everything, even continuing on. So I got, even the next thing I got coming out is, is, is really good. And it's going to continue on for that the same theme. So, and I'm, I'm going to keep rolling with that. And, you know, eventually I'll probably put out an album and the album's going to connect everything together. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to give too much away, but yeah. So. <laughs> okay. Okay. But, but I think the way music has changed from when you guys came out, where, you know, you're buying, selling CDs and singles, we consume music much differently now. Either we're, we're streaming it on Spotify or watching it on YouTube. And we've learned that unless you're, you're having a billion streams, there isn't as much money coming in. What right. is the purpose then from for, for yourself, you know, putting out music? Right. Is it for the money or is it, is it just... I, a, I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying creating. You know what I'm saying? And like I said, one of these songs, hopefully it catch fire and, you know, it go where it goes. But I'm, I'm enjoying being able to to express myself individually, musically. 
I have, I have the freedom to do it. I have the means to do it. So, and you know, I, there's no reason why I shouldn't. You know what I'm saying? So, like I said, I, I'm putting music because I enjoy doing it. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I enjoy touring with Jodeci. I'm not looking for my music to, to, to you know, change my life and put millions of dollars in my pocket. If it does, great. If it doesn't, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I'm in a stage of my life now. I have to enjoy things I do. So I don't want to be stressed about, you know, being on the knife and going and trying to make a top five of my lady. I don't have to worry about that. So I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I have a top nothing I do. I just put out music. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. I mean, that's just the way I look at it. You know, it's like me just sitting on making songs for myself. Why not let the world, if somebody want to hear it, they can hear it. Why not share it with the world? I have millions of songs I can put out, you know, that I, I make, make songs almost every other day. So why not put it out and let the world hear it instead of just riding around listening to it in my car? You know, you can, it doesn't cost anything to put music up. People like it, they buy it, they don't, they don't, you know? So. And, and, you know and, and I think what's beautiful about that is the fact that when it comes from a place of, well, I don't necessarily, it's not for the money, but it's just I've got the songs, it, it it hits in a very different way because we listen and we can appreciate it because that's what right. I was saying that back in the day you put out an album it's you know there's a lot of promotion money into it and so you right. needed to recoup it yeah, I think financially it's well it's accessible it's easier to get music out now but right. it's not as easy to make the money out of it but if that's yeah. not the motivation I, I think we can see yes I mean especially as independent artists you know, rap, rap and hip hop is a little different because if you know, song hit the strip club or catch a TikTok dance or something goes viral, it's a, uh, it, it's you know, it's almost like that. It's almost easy, but R&B music is a little different. You have to spend lots of dollars and lots of dollars to try to promote and market. Blah blah blah. I announced on Instagram like a new song coming here. This blah 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 blah. My followers, they, they like it, they don't. They pick it up, they don't. As long as it's, I'm enjoying doing what I'm doing, and I think that's what it's come down to. I enjoy doing Jodeci just as much as I enjoy doing my own stuff. Yeah. So. No, so, and I have to commend you about the quality of your music videos because they, it, you're not just getting somebody with a little camera and just let's record. I mean, you're putting a lot of energy and effort, and 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 really, really. look, you know, I think hype Williams type level kind of. I mean, which which is not. I mean, especially if it's not. There's no big labels backing it. I mean, you know, it's so it's there's it seems as if it's it's more so the same guy who loved basketball and motorbikes just loves. Right, the music and the creating of stuff. That's exactly how it is, and I'm I, and I'm involved with everything. I have a, a three person team: is me and my sister, and and one of the person. We sit down. And I'm like, this is my vision for the video. And when I'm working on the song in the studio, I'm writing the video at the same time. I'm writing the concept, and we sit down. I'm like, how do you like this? You like this? All right, then we're gonna do it like this, and we'll get it. We'll shoot it, and I and I stay for 18 hours, 19 hours. The video, and I don't leave until it's done. Until I have the story that I have in my head completed and it's like like i'm saying i'm enjoying and these these are the freedoms i didn't have when i was signed to a label when i was you know had to you know be with three other guys in the group because it had to be a group thing and that was just all my, all my music all my vocals all my tracks it's everything that i like to do so i don't have to worry about if the guys like this or change this beat or nothing if i if i don't like it then it doesn't get done if i like it is what i'm putting out yeah. so it's like enjoy it and i want people to enjoy it but if they don't it's not like I lose sleep over it because I just keep creating music because it's yeah. like, you know, and a lot of people don't really realize, you know, my contribution to Jodeci. They don't realize that I did make music or I did sing or I did write. It's just that I was just a face and I got lucky for the ride. But, you know, these are like, I'm saying, okay, this is my slice of the pie. This is what I do. This is what I brought to my group. If you can hear my influence to what I brought to the group, here it is. This is me, on me, by myself. You know, if I can't sing a note on my album, it won't get sung. Yeah. If I can't do a 
won't get done. You know, you can like my voice, you don't have to like it. You know, it doesn't. If I can't do my own harmony notes, it won't get done. I don't bring nobody in to sing nothing for me. I do all my own stuff. Do all yeah. my own background. Do all everything on my own. You know, so. People were commenting on that you cut your hair in the inseparable. They were like, what? He cut all his hair off. Us. <laughs> yeah, that is what it is, man. Like I said, man, it, at this point, I'm just, I'm having fun being me, man. I don't, I don't want people to dictate who I have to be, what I have to look like, what I have to do. It's just, I'm at this point in my life, I'm enjoying myself. And I think once you try to impress the world, that's when you start losing focus on who you are. And I just, I don't want to lose that. I don't want to have to just impress everybody. Every day I wake up, I got to curl my hair, put this, uh, do that, do that. I want to be me and I want to enjoy being myself. You know, I'm looking at other other artists and other actors and still like, look at Will Smith. He's, I'm at this age of my life, I'm, I'm just me. I can't impress. If you're not impressed by what I've done, you're not going to be, be impressed by what I do. Yeah. So, Therefore, I'm not trying to live to impress anybody else. I'm just trying yeah. to just live, be happy, and be at peace, and enjoy what I do. And not wake up every day stressed out because I got to impress the world. I don't have to do that. If you don't like me, just don't. You know, yeah. this is what it is. No, I mean, there's, there's loads of people who, who admire what you do and stuff. Um, we can't end by not wishing your brother a happy 50th birthday. Um, right. 52nd, sorry. Um, it, it, it was... Um, an amazing surprise watching you guys, um, yourself, your brother, and Jojo in, in California a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah. It's it, the, the feedback, you know, the you, you know, internet was crazy with like, you know, Jodeci is back. How did that, because I saw you and Jojo first saying, yeah, we're going to be, we're going to do the concert and don't worry, Devante will be there. Um, right. What was that feeling like being on stage as Jodeci for after such a long time? And seeing the uh, reaction. I think that, you know, people tend to think that we are enemies and we're not. It's just, you know, sometimes things just don't work out the way that people think they should. And they don't know the internal things that the artists deal with, why things don't go the way people think they should. You know, people always want to think that you should be a certain way when they don't know, they don't know the ramifications. Like people keep asking, why don't I do this? Do, the, do a movie. It doesn't happen. It doesn't work like that. And I think that people don't really realize there's a lot of things that are going to do in a movie, going to do in a, a, a lot of things that people want to do. We can't just wake up in one day and say, okay, we're shooting a movie today. It doesn't work like that. You know, we're waking up and say, Joe, should do another album. We can't just wake up and say, we're going to the studio and do an album. It doesn't work like that. That's not how things work. There's a lot of formalities you have to go through. Yeah, we're a group that can make things happen, but there's formalities that we have to go through because we're also a major brand. You know, so it's not like, you know, Michael Jordan can't walk into Nike and make his own sneaker, even though he's the biggest selling shoe person at Nike. He can't just yeah. make it tomorrow. It doesn't work like that. You know, I'm pretty sure they'll make a lot of accommodations, but it doesn't work like that. Yeah. You know, as far as Jodeci, it's just sometimes you have to you have to prepare things. For myself, it's different. I can go home tonight after this interview and put a record out 24 hours from now. So it doesn't work like that with Jodeci. You know, I can go home and shoot my home video and put it out tonight on YouTube. But Jodeci is a brand that has to be, you know, is respectfully have to be nurtured and, you know, and go through the necessary steps to make it, you know, to, to, to put things out, put movies out, put songs out, put records out. So. Yeah, you but you, you guys headlined a tour, you know, you, you, you had some you know, very established artists who have been touring for a while and you guys came on, on last and stole the show. Um, and you know, let me, let me interrupt you. That wasn't even our show. They tried to bamboozle us because they thought everybody's going to leave. It was, it was some technicalities and we wasn't supposed to go on the last because it wasn't our show. Oh. And 
you know, it wasn't our show. And, you know, I said, you know what, though? And then they tried to wait till almost 12 midnight. Till everybody was tired and wore out because nobody wanted to come behind Jodas. And rightfully so. And, you know, whoever watching this, you did the right thing because you don't want to come behind Jodas. And that just, you don't want to. And so the powers that were, they didn't want to come behind Jodas because we wasn't supposed to close the show. It wasn't ours. So but we did what we did because we know fans were there and wanted to see us. You know, so we wasn't going to just leave, you know, because contractually we could have left because that wasn't our show to close. But, um, you know, like we came and did what we had to do. Yeah, because, uh, you, you know, I've seen you and JoJo do stuff. So it wasn't so we know that, you know, you, and you, your brother is your brother and stuff. Um, but seeing the three, yes, I said, seeing the because uh, I, I wasn't there, but I had a friend, Elise, who, who was at the show and she was streaming it on, on, on IG so I could watch you guys. I'm like, wow, right. you guys are actually performing. And, and there's Dalvin Devante there as well. Right. But you, you haven't been on stage as, as Jodeci in a long time. What was that like for you, just seeing the reaction from people seeing you guys singing the songs and stuff? Um, it's, it's great, man. I mean, like, I love I love our fans. There's nothing like Jodeci fans. I mean, they're, they're diehard. And just to see people from all ages and walks of life singing your records, man, after all these years, every word. And, you know, even when we cut the song short and we go to another song, they jump right in with us. And they, it's, it's crazy. It's unreal. But, you know, we just feed off of the energy that they give us and we give it right back to them. And, you know, we go harder and harder. The harder they go with us, we go with them. So it don't matter if we go on stage at 12 o'clock midnight and, you know, it doesn't matter. So, but just to get the energy from the crowd and, you know, they've been there all day since, you know, six or seven o'clock. Yeah. And we still there. And I mean, it's amazing, man. You know, as we tour, as we, as we tour the world and, and continue to, to get ready to tour again, all of us, um, it's going to be just great to see our fans again. And we do it for our fans, you know what I'm saying? And for the love of, of what we do. So. Okay. You know. Wait, did I just hear you say that the four of you are going to start, are going to tour? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so. Okay. Yeah, we got a lot of Odyssey, man. You know, like what I tell people all the time, they just want to rush everything, but everything's got to be done right and done, you know, good. Because when Jodeci go out, we go out right, you know. So, and it's an event, so we make it an event. So Okay. We'll be, be hearing about it really soon, so. Okay. And so, because oh, oh, I'm, I'm in the UK, and so I know the US sports, would we see you come out to the UK and the rest of the world, or are you going to first start off in the U.S. mainly? Uh, well, you know, I can't really answer that question, but I'm sure I love coming to the U.K. I love the U.K., man. I, I love it. I love it. So hopefully we will be there. I don't know if it'll start there, but I'm sure we will end up there. I'm okay. sure we will. Yeah, because yeah, a, yeah, uh, a lot of people have said, oh, because the show was, was amazing, but we didn't see you know, the powerhouse of Casey there. But, right. but he's still going to be, you know, you can confirm that he, when you, if Jodeci come out, it will be the four of you guys. As it stands now, yes, absolutely. Okay. You know, I, I always end my interviews by asking my guests that if you were stuck in an elevator and you had a chance to, it was going to take a couple of hours, but they said, look, while we're getting you out, we'll put a movie for you. What movie would you want to watch before they get you out? Uh, probably Scarface. I've seen it a million I thought you guys were a person I want to be stuck in. You should ask that. <laughs> a movie here. Okay. Okay, right. Scarface. Okay. Okay. They're about to put on Scarface. They say, look, we'll, we'll get in the movie out, but let's put a song for you to, to listen to. What song do you request? Uh, you know, that's a good... Uh, probably um, Donny Hathaway. 
Uh, I love you more than you ever know. That's probably one of my favorite songs. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. I mean, he was he he was he hit a different note when 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 he came out. Crazy. Yeah. You. What's your best Bobby? You know, when you think about all his stuff, what was what's your whole time favorite? Uh, Tenderoni, my prerogative. I mean, but I, I mean, I know Bobby's album, the, the, the Don't Be Cool album, top to bottom. I mean, that was my. I thought for that could have been me. That was me. <laughs> I, I was Bobby. So. <laughs> but what did you make of the Bobby album? Because I actually that I I'd actually preferred that a little bit. But what was your thoughts on the Bobby album? We had Getaway and Two Can Play This Game. Um, I think Bobby said it went back to Babyface and the same team. I just think that sometimes when you got when you capture magic, you need to stay with the magic. You know, let it be about the magic and not about you. Let it be about the magician. You know, and sometimes when you find great songwriters and producers that work good with you. A lot of mistakes artists make is feel like they are the magic, but it's the magic that people create for you. you know? Yeah. So, and that happens to a lot of artists that we see great artists that, that they want to step away from the magic and feel like it's about it's about them, but it's about the magic somebody created for you. You just a you know the magician, you know. Yeah. You know, people have asked me what how proud are you with the success of Missy and Timberland and even, you know, and the rest of the basement crew that you guys discovered. Are you surprised how successful they've become, or did could you see it when you guys found them and saw them back in those early days? I thought they were all really talented. I thought they were all really talented. That's why we brought them in. But you should ask that question: How far are they coming from our camp? Because I, I think they seem to forget sometimes. But it's okay. You <laughs> ask them. Yeah, definitely. You know, October is um, World Mental Health Awareness Month, and. And one of the things that, especially within our black communities, what we, we don't talk about mental health or we don't talk about anxiety and depression and stuff. As, as an artist in the industry, and I, I remember actually back in the beginning about how overwhelming was it to be, you know, all of a sudden you're the biggest on every newspaper, write on black beats, um, ebony and stuff. How did it, did you, anxiety depression was there ever something that you struggled with back in those early days i think that i think a lot of because you find yourself trying to live for other people and i said like now at the place and most artists i see nowadays they're just understanding just taking a minute and understanding that your life is about you it's not about your expectations from other people and i think once you realize that then you come you'll find a peace but as long as you're trying to go out there please the world please the world please the world because you're gonna always be let down. It's if you just, like I said, I'm enjoying what I'm doing as long as artists understand, enjoy your life. If people accept you, they do. If they don't, don't try to force people to accept you or you're gonna always find yourself now. I was watching Lizzo and I felt sorry for her because she was heartbroken because like, I guess everybody was fat shaming or whatever. And you know, she had a nervous breakdown on IG. And I'm like, you know, you can't worry about what people say. You just can't. I mean, you'll find yourself in those situations, you know, and it's easier said than done sometimes, but. I think once you find that peace, then I think a lot of people uh, uh, come to terms with anxiety and the depression, you know. But how have you, because you, you, you do sound, you, you, the way you talk is, you, 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 it sounds like you do, you back it up. But what, what did you find and do differently? Because not a lot of people aren't like, you know, you, you're very calm, you're very assured, and, and you've found us in a peace and stuff. How did you navigate, have you been able to navigate? 
man, you just got to let God take the will. You got to just trust God, man. You know, you got to put all your faith and trust in God. And that, you know, he's the only person that's not going to ever forsake you. So as long as you know that, man, you just, that's where your trust got to go. That's where you find your peace, man. You know, and me praying a lot and because and, I'm, I'm out of church and sometimes you kind of stray away from that. But then you start, then that's when you start, you know, getting confused because you're trying to find the world to accept you when, you know, sometimes get on your knees and pray, man. And, and that's what I do. And I find when I find my mind going there, like, oh, man, I'm putting out records and they might not hit them. I, I don't care. If they do, they do. If they don't, they don't. You know, as long as I know that I could get on my knees and I'm okay and not my mind is still good and I can still create music and, and write, I can't be bothered with all the negativity. You know, when people say negative comments to me on IG, I don't even respond. I just delete them and block them. Like I said, because, you know, you get a thousand people saying they love you and that one person that say something off the wall, you become fixated with that one negative thing. So that's why I don't let negative negativity even cross my path. I just I exit out anywhere I can because you become fixated. You know, you got millions of people that love you and buy you music and support you and scream at your concerts. And one person can say one thing and they come across you. And it's like, that's what you become fixated on. And I was like, I can't do that. You know, so I just, I'm just like, I'm over. It. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, you know, and I have to appreciate you saying that because it, it's, it, it hits us all. Um, yeah, you know. I've, I can't imagine, I can't tell how many times I've had loads of people say, oh, we like this, like that. <laughs> one person says, oh. Yeah. And you become fixated with that one part, you know? So I just like, you know, it is what it is, man. But some people wake up, man. And, and like they say, it's not just a cliche. Misery loves company. And that's just not a saying. That's the truth. So some people just like, oh, he's happy. I got to make him mad because I'm having a bad day. You know, when people call me in the morning, they ain't got nothing good to say. I don't even speak to them because you you find your day ruined by it. You don't even know why you wake up happy. Somebody call you and they just, man, I, I this and that. I'm like, you know what, man? I, I'm sorry, bro. Ain't nothing I can do. Click. I'm good. Because you're ruined by it. You don't even know why. you just like, what, why am I in this mood all of a sudden? And it's because somebody didn't call you with some negative and he's like, okay, you know, it just threw me off all day. So trying to deal with it. Wow. So that's yeah, I you know I appreciate how you've ended how how you've ended the the, the interview how you've given us a, a sort of something to think about because we do all struggle with that. Thanks for watching. Please remember to subscribe to the channel, but most importantly to press the notification bell so that you can be notified when we do have a new interview. Loads to come, but thanks a lot for watching.